The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Devo. Well, you know things are going bad when you give up a four spot in the first inning and you feel like the game is already over, right? But such is life for the Royals these days, who moved to three and seven since the All-Star break. Just two and five on this big homestand and two under 500 for the season. As it's Devo. Glad you're along despite all that here on Clubhouse Conversation. This is your Royals dish, as we do after the majority of post games here at clubhouseconversation.com. Also find current Royal interviews here uh, every week of the season, former player interviews in the offseason, at Royals Clubhouse on Twitter, and Clubhouse Conversation on Facebook. You can also subscribe on iTunes to get all of our episodes and interviews downloaded directly into your iTunes without doing anything after you sign up. All right, let's talk about tonight, and let's begin with our player of the game, Salvador Perez, a two-run home run for Salvi. And outside of that, there wasn't a lot positive, literally, that went on tonight at Kauffman Stadium on Christmas and July night. It was not Christmas tonight. It didn't feel like that at all for the Royals. Ian Kennedy, the real story tonight, puts the Royals behind the eight ball immediately. The second hitter of the game is when I said, oh, no. You know, you know Escobar, a top 10 batting average guy in the American League. You know, ho-hum, I know, on base is where it's at, OPS is where it's at, slugging is where it's at, all that stuff. But a guy that at least hits for average and, you know, Kennedy gets behind 2-1, gets a single. Okay, no big deal. Oppo single, who cares? Innocent little sing, you know, single. I thought Kennedy would get out of that without a problem. But then the four-pitch walk to Cole Calhoun is when you knew Kennedy was in big trouble, right? First and second, nobody out for Mr. Mike Trout coming up. And then he walks on five pitches. So now you've got the bases loaded with nobody out. And Albert Pujols coming up. 0-1 count. Rips a two-run single. Scoring two. Makes it 2 nothing. Angels. Then Daniel Nova on the fourth pitch. You know, that guy is gives me shivers ever since he hit that walk-off home run against the Royals in Boston a few years ago. The first game after the Boston Marathon bombing. Nova goes deep. So he's been kind of a Royals, uh, you know, enemy ever since then, but the fourth pitch of his at-bat, he flies out to center, scoring the third run. So it takes Kennedy 17 pitches to get an out, and by that 17th pitch, three runs had scored. And of course, G-Man Choi gets a double, moving Pujols to third. Carlos Perez singles him in. 4 nothing Angels, and they see 32 pitches in the first inning. Just disappointing for me and Kennedy, who... The first two months of the season looked like a fantastic signing, and I still think he's fine for what realistically he is, which is a number three starter, number three, four starter, I should say, number three on a good major league team, number four on a very good major league team as far as rotation goes, a three, four guy. The Royals, what they're paying him probably need a little bit more out of him, but for what he is, I think he's still having an okay season, but man, it's been disappointing recently. Five plus innings tonight for Kennedy, gives up four runs on six hits. Strikes out three, walks three. On the season, a 4.41 ERA for Ian Kennedy, which is just not good, obviously. I think he'll end up better than that. I think he's got more in the tank, and I think it'll end up more closer to the four mark, which would be acceptable if he was going 200 innings, which is not going to happen this year. Uh, Kennedy now, this is kind of scary to think about. I didn't realize this. I went back and looked. How many times, let's just, let's just pick 13 starts. 
that's the arbitrary number I chose. The last 13 starts, how many times do you think Ian Kennedy has gone seven innings or more? I'll give you about five seconds to guess. The last 13 starts, how many times do you think he's gone seven innings or more? Once. 12 of his last 13, he's gone less than seven innings. You've got to get a lot more production innings-wise out of that, especially if your ERA is going to be at or above four. Didn't happen. And speaking of bad trends, let's not only pick on Kennedy. The Royals' offense has scored two runs or less in four of the ten games since the All-Star break. That's bad. I mean, if I said four runs or less in four of the ten since the All-Star break, that would be shaky, right? In the American League, you've got to score four or five runs a night consistently to win games, especially with the way the Royals' rotation has been giving up home runs. But how bad is that? Two runs? In four of the ten games since the All-Star game. And I know teams go through bad stretches, but this offense hasn't been right all season. And again, I also acknowledge Mike Moustakis is out for the year. I also acknowledge the Royals have gone a full month without Lorenzo Cain this year, who, by the way, begins his rehab tomorrow. I should have him back, I would guess, next week. Monday, probably. Well, maybe before that. Maybe even for the weekend. I suppose it's possible we see him coming up on Friday night. I guess that's probably, maybe that's what the goal is, actually, now that I think about it. So maybe you see him Friday. But, and I know you've gone without Lorenzo Kane for a month, and Mike Moustakis for the year, and Gordon without him for a month, and on and on and on. Morales missed some time with the hand injury, probably should have missed more than that. Salvi missed some time. I get that, but still, it's just bad. And there's a lot of key guys not performing, and we're not going to go through and bash guys individually. That's not our style here. The Royals haven't scored double-figure runs since June 18th. That's over a month ago. That's five weeks since the Royals have scored 10 runs or more in a game. And the Royals have only scored 10 runs or more twice since June 1st. So we're going on almost two months, and the Royals have only scored 10 runs or more twice. And that's a bit of a high number, but still. It's just not happening for this bunch, guys. Starting pitching, worst five rotations in all of baseball. The offense, worst five in runs scored. Dead last in the American League in runs scored. The bullpen outside of the two guys at the very back of it is bad. I mean, you've got Herrera Herrera and Davis, stud all-star, two of the best five to ten, probably two of the best five relievers in all of baseball, certainly two of the top ten in baseball, Davis being for sure a top five and Herrera in the top ten for sure. But outside of those guys... Soria and Hochever, ERAs of four or above, and the rest of the guys are just interchangeable 4A-type relievers. Some upside, hopefully, from Brian Flynn. I like the way he throws the ball. Throws a very heavy ball. I I like Brian Flynn's upside quite a bit. But outside of that, there's not too much else out there at the moment. I mean, Moylan, a guy that won't be back next year. Wong, a guy probably won't be back next year. Dylan G, a guy that probably won't be back next year, although he's now in the rotation as he goes tomorrow. We'll talk about that coming up in a bit. I mean, it's, it's the point being, your offense is one of the worst. Your starting rotations is one of the worst. Your bullpen now is probably league average, only because you've got two of the best relievers in baseball, but the rest of the bullpen is a is really a disaster right now. You're injury prone. It's, it's just it's not happening. Royals now two under five hundred tonight. They strike out ten times. Did draw four walks. Alex Gordon walks twice. Only one extra base hit tonight. That was a Salvia home run in the fourth inning against Hector Santiago. No Royal, but Gordon gets on base twice. 44 and 55 for the Angels. 48 and 50 for the Royals. And I don't mean to be Debbie Downer, but a part of me wonders if the Royals are even a 500 team now at this point. Especially if you go out and I know everybody wants to talk about 
trades and, and what happens before the deadline on Monday. Especially if you go out and trade Edinson Volquez, Kendris Morales, Luke Hochaver, and Wade Davis. Reports have been swirling that Wade Davis could be a hot commodity in the market, which is, you know, at first I would have dismissed that about two weeks ago, but the way things have been going, I mean, this team is just hard to watch every day. They're not scoring runs. They can't pitch. They get behind. They don't run anymore. They don't steal bases. Like, there's just no, it's just like boring. I mean, the offense is awful right now, right? I mean, they're not hitting home runs and they're not stealing bases. Uh, they're striking out a ton. I still have no clue how they're only 24th in the major leagues and strikeouts as a team. I don't get it. I, what am I missing here? How is that possible? Are these other teams striking out like 19 times a night every night or what? My gosh. But with that, all that said, let's look at the bright side. The Royals still have pretty much all of their core guys back next year, some of them beyond that. And I think the Royals are two starting pitchers and two bats away, assuming they get fairly healthy going into next year, from being a very good team again next year. Dayton Moore has shown time and time again he can compile bullpens on the cheap, and the Royals have some guys internally, especially in the minor leagues, that could move up in the bullpen role next year. You've got Kelvin Herrera. To close, you could bring back Holland. Between Holland and Soria, hopefully one of them has a really good year next year to go along with Herrera. And I'd trust Aiden Moore to find a couple more pieces out there. You can sign a veteran, a couple of your minor league guys. And that's where trading Wade Davis, if they do that, can really help out your rotation. You should be able to get a stud, young, controllable pitcher for Wade Davis that slides into one of your rotation spots next year. Because as of right now, my rotation next year, obviously Danny Duffy's in it. Obviously... Ian Kennedy's in it, and I think either Mike Miner or Jason Vargas is in it. To me, you've only got three locks for the rotation. I don't consider your Donovan Ventura a lock at this point. I mean, he's an outside guy, outside chance you could turn him someday into a reliever. It's not going to happen as soon as next year, but if the struggles continue as a starter, that's a guy that at some point you could consider maybe, say, 2017 or 18, sorry, 2018 possibly as a reliever down the road. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying, but I, I don't consider him a lock next year for the rotation. If the guy's going to go out and push a five ERA or four and a half, probably a four and a half ERA this year, make him earn a spot next year in the rotation. If, if you're going all in next year, last year of the majority of these guys being controlled, you've got to get better, obviously. So to me, you've got three starters next year. You've got Kennedy and Duffy locks, and you've got, I believe, either Miner or Vargas who are both signed. In a perfect world, both of them are healthy, and both of them are in the rotation next year. But realistically, one of them probably flops or gets hurt. I think that you've got three starters locked in for next year. And then you've got Ventura competing for one of the spots. Guys like Alec Mills and Brooks Pounders and Matt Strom, some of the guys from within for one spot, and you've got to go get somebody for the other spot. At least one of those two spots that are open for next year have to come from the outside. And, and perhaps trading away Davis could get you a guy like that, like a Lucas Giletto from the, the Nationals is the name you hear. Do that. Get yourself a stud young, controllable guy and try to take a flyer on somebody else. Have that other person compete with your Ventura for the other spot in the rotation and have the guys I mentioned like Strom and Mills and those guys be your six, seven, eight, nine guys down in Omaha and ready to come up because obviously you'll need seven, eight guys to get through the season. The Royals, I believe, are already at nine different pitchers started this year. That's not good, and obviously that number's going to go up as the season moves along. So the next two games, Tyler Skaggs, the lefty tomorrow, versus Dylan G. Skaggs 
The Royals have never seen him. None, none of the guys in the roster have an AB against him in the major leagues. It's his first start in almost two years, almost two years to the day. I believe it's a week short of the two-year anniversary since Skaggs had Tommy John surgery. A lefty, first start of the year, first appearance of the year at the major league level against Dylan G. Dylan G last went July 10th from the rotation against Seattle, three and two-thirds, three runs, and five hits. Not a ton of data against him. Mike Trout, one for three with the home run. Andrelton Simmons, 227 and 22 at bats. By the way, how, how about his back-to-back plays tonight? One of which, well, none of them were outs, but one of them was originally called an out. I mean, how, how about that range, <laughs> ranging to his right and throwing those balls? What a stud out there. Simmons, a guy, obviously, from the Brave system originally. But uh, that's the matchup tomorrow. I, I like the Angels to win tomorrow. I don't see the Royals scoring much. They don't seem to ever score against guys they haven't seen. But it's not scoring in general right now. And I don't don't necessarily believe Dylan G, who's going to probably go 80 pitches. You know, you're going to see guys like Soria and some of those guys who have been struggling. I, I don't see the Royals, unless they can put five runs on board tomorrow, I don't see them winning that game tomorrow. So I do like the Angels tomorrow. The final game, I'll take the Royals because Danny Duffy goes. And when Danny Duffy starts... The Royals are 10-3 and three this year. It's Duffy against Matt Shoemaker, who has been damn good this year. I'll take the Royals in Game 3, but Shoemaker, how about this? Over his last 12 games, has a 2.39 ERA. On the year, he's 5-10 and 10 with a 3.99, but Shoemaker been in an absolute roll. Houston Astros last time out gave up two runs and six and two-thirds. A guy who strikes out a lot of guys. Has upside of striking out a hitter per inning or more. And the Royals have been striking out a bunch, as you know, a lot recently, as evidenced by the ten again tonight. Now the Royals have had some success in limited at bats against Shoemaker. Dyson one for three, Eski three for five, Haas four for eight, Salvi five for eight with the home run. It's not so much that I like the Royals to score much against Shoemaker. I just consider Danny Duffy a bulldog ace at this point. Like I said, ten and three when he starts. Mike Trout, the only guy who really has done anything against Duffy, and again, small sample size, three for six. With a home run. And by the way, Matt Shoemaker, one other thing, is a guy who you keep hearing being mentioned in trade rumors. I don't see that happening because the Angels control him for four more years. And he's making, like I think, 550000 this year. Why would they trade him? Not a team that has a great rotation themselves. Actually, it's a pretty bad rotation. When you're running guys like Tim Lincecum and Jared Weaver out there and, you know, Hector Santiago has upside, but sure doesn't look like much of a major league star. They don't have anything in that rotation, really. So don't see Shoemaker being traded. He's essentially the ace. In fact, he is the ace of the Angels. So I do like the Royals because they've got their ace and Duffy. But I think they're going to split the next two. They're going to lose tomorrow, unfortunately. And they're probably going to drop another series. And by then, we'll be in official sell mode with the off day on Thursday. I would imagine you'd see trades beginning as soon as Thursday for the Royals bunch, and I do expect... I'm, if I put the over-under at two and a half trades made by the Royals, what would you take? The over or under? Considering the four main names, and I'm saying separate trades, not players. So assuming there's a Wade Davis trade, possibly, a Luke Kochaver trade, possibly, a Kendris Morales, and a Edson Volquez. Two and a half. What would you take, over or under, on the two and a half trades? I'll take the under. I think the Royals make two trades. I think Morales goes... And I think either Volquez or Davis goes, one or the other. So I believe the Royals do make two trades, probably the first one Thursday, then maybe one Sunday or Monday right before the deadline. It'll be interesting to see if Edinson Volquez throws again on his due date, which is, what, Friday or Saturday, depending on what they decide to do. It'll be interesting to see if they end up throwing him or not. Because originally they were going to skip this part in the rotation tomorrow. They were going to skip the fifth starter tomorrow, originally. So it makes me think they're pushing back Volquez a day to see what happens. 
And so maybe that does mean he's going to get traded. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, we'll be here on Clubhouse Conversation again. Go Royals and talk to you soon.